0: And welcome to the Dumbo Speak. I'm Roy. I'm Chaylon. How you doing today, Chaylon?
1: Oh, good, good. Ready to get this baptism show on the road, I guess. After our last episode, and
0: the people that we probably irritated. Sure, ready sure to get it on the road. Well, uh, I think today will probably be enough. I think a trilogy <laughs> is usually all we do on most
1: of our. Uh, Some of them we've started out to go toward a trilogy, <laughs> and we've never gotten to the second or third episode. So.
0: <laughs> well, you know, we'll do it. We'll get there eventually. I had some notes that I made having listened to the last episode in preparation for this. Yeah, I do actually listen to our own podcast occasionally, and I I do it mostly because I'm I'm paranoid about the sound, and I go to check on it, but in doing so, I caught just a a couple of mistakes, and I wanted to correct them. It's wonky. They're not that bad. I mean, most people probably didn't notice them, but they irritate me. I'm OCD about these things, and... Then when I told you about one of them, you said, yeah, yeah I caught that, but I, I didn't know what you meant. I was like, I don't think I've ever heard that before. Uh, and, and this is what I mean. At at 44 minutes and 30 seconds in that episode, uh, part two of uh, baptism, you will hear me um, say that the translator of Acts in the NLT, New Living Translation, is Brother D.A. Carson. I like I said, brother, because it here take you. Uh, is is D.A. Carson. and versus oh, Carson's reverend. Or- well, uh, Dr. Carson did do Acts, but he didn't work alone, and I, I left out Mr. William Larkin and Roger Morlang and I want to correct that uh, on the original 96 translation. Now, there's been a 2004 update. I don't know about anything since then. I own both the 96 and the 2004. But D.A. Carson, William Larkin, and Roger Morlang were the original scholarly trio that worked on Acts uh, So there was that. But the the big one was at 19 minutes and 50 seconds. I referred to to Elam as Edom, the descendants of Esau. That is incorrect. And anyone who had me for revelation in my Sunday school class knows Elam is Persia. So.
1: That would be modern-day Iran. I had to go look it up because when I got all my thoughts, I started second-guessing myself.
0: Or second guessing
1: myself like, no, no. What in the world?
0: You're right. Elam, E-L-A-M, and that is Persia, which is modern-day Iran. That is not, which Iranians are quick to tell you they're not Arabs. They are Muslim, the majority. There are Christians in Iran, in, but but they're, they're the minority, but I but in um In Iranian culture, they're quick to point out that they're Persian, and uh, that means they're the descendants of Ilah. So, my bad, people. Apologize if anybody did catch that, and uh, I know Caleb did.
1: (laughs) Well, honestly, it kind of slipped. I mean, I I heard it, but it, it was one of those I thought maybe I was... Uh, thinking wrong in my process,
0: so I I, (laughs) I didn't say nothing about it. Now, when we get to Bible translations, I have a few more corrections to do for that episode as well. I caught some things on that. Now that I've been going through and listening to our older episodes, I am, uh, especially when we've been away for a few weeks and we go back to record, I I like to listen to it and see what we're doing. How was your little getaway last week? It was good.
1: Uh, The weekend was very... uh, very refreshing, very relaxing. Like I said, that's the first time we've had a weekend away with no kids in uh, seven years, I think. So it the first time. So it was really good. Got to know a lot of people. Uh, those of you who don't know, who are listening, uh, Roy and I have been attending a church for close, I don't know, about, I guess, 10 months now, yeah. 11? No, nine, 9 to 10 months. Not nine months yeah. And uh, we had our marriage retreat that they do
0: annually, and my wife and I attended this year. Uh, Our guest from uh, Tom, uh, pastor yeah, Tom. Pastor Tom, from back in December. He, he is the pastor of that church. Pastor teacher, and he was the one that lined all that trip up. Yeah, and, and and it was a
1: fun trip. It was a good weekend away. I encourage that if you can. Um, hopefully, the COVID lockdowns are starting to ease by this point. Um, I know we
0: had a good time. We had a good weekend. We did not go. Sandy and I stayed home and watched. Uh, reruns of 24 over Kiefer Sutherland and saw the America falling apart and said, hey, you know, that kind of looks prophetic at this point. <laughs> but
1: uh, but yeah, we had a good time. And, and what we enjoyed about this retreat was the work was done uh, six weeks prior. So we went to class six weeks prior on Thursday night. So when we went, we had an activity uh, Saturday morning um, and had a banquet Saturday night. And other than that, you were just, Go and relax and enjoy a weekend with your spouse. Yeah, and it, it was good. Kind of mellow. Yeah, it was very relaxing. We spent a lot of time in the lobby, uh, drinking a lot of coffee, uh, and and really getting to know some people. Because, like I said, we're just that was the first time outside of the
0: church really we've got to know some of those people, and we really enjoyed it. Well, the other day at, at uh, one day at work, I took my lunch break to to, to get together with my cousin that I hadn't seen in, well probably about two years. We speak, and we and we text all the time, but we speak frequently every two or three months, but we, we don't see each other. Well, he has, he's moved here to our parts of the land. He moved from Indiana
1: That's to here.
0: Out. Yeah, I don't know why, but uh, he's come home, and uh, he still works out of state, though, so he's not home much, but he said he was going to be leaving in a couple hours. Could I swing by? He wanted to show me his new drum kit. Oh, Jaylen. It's sweet. It's DW, Drummer Workshop. It's, oh, really? that You're speaking Sparkle people. Blue, like from the 70s. Looks like the kit he had when he was like nine years old when he got his first kit. It, he's like, I don't know, he's 52 now. But it's, it's, anyway, it got me all excited. I want to start playing drums again. It's got me wanting to play drums. You know,
1: I didn't thank you though other day. This is totally unbiblically related. All this I'm, is, but it's there, great. There was a show on the other day. It's on Netflix, I believe, but it's uh, ZZ Top. It talks about ZZ Top's history and, uh, Little bit of a the little man little And ironically, the one with doesn't the one the only one who doesn't have a beard, Frank Beard. <laughs> he uh he uh he talks about he, he talks about his drum kit and, and I didn't know I didn't know that he he had fell into drugs and all that very early oh, like, yeah. years, I years ago. Oh, but he talks true. about it in that and he actually had and I had, for the life of me now I was I don't know about drumming, he had, had a very expensive drum kit and he got to the point where he pawned. One, I mean, this is at the beginning of ZZ Top uh, Rising. They had done a tour and they'd come off the road, been off the road for a while, didn't know whether they would go back and they would take a hiatus. And uh, Frank sold his drum kit. Wow. I mean, he talks about it in that. It's a documentary. It's pretty good. My wife not I it, of course. That's one of my. Well, I've loved going to that
0: concert still. Let that day. be a lesson to you kids. Substance abuse, drunkenness, it would bring you know. down. So, well, I, again, I am. I, I, I want to say this. I kind of enjoyed those last two episodes that we did. The one that is on Bible translations and the one that's on baptism. I have to say that I was relaxed, and except for catching a few mistakes there here and there, I enjoyed them. I, I laughed. I laughed at us. <laughs> there,
1: there, are a lot of people that probably were once tuning in a lot that no they don't listen anymore. Yeah, you know, once well, they it. found out our stances stance on a few, on a few, few, few things, yeah. of not. Uh, not relating to the, uh, not, not being as dogmatic about certain man-made rules as, as they are. Well, see,
0: so, they should just, they should chill out and, and listen to this episode because we'll be back in their camp probably with this episode, you know, because.
1: No, I'll never be back in
0: that camp again. You know what I mean. I'm yeah. just egging you a little bit. No, I know. But in all seriousness. So, but you we, know what? We're we, back in our studio. It's been a yes. few, It's been a few weeks. It's been a few weeks. We're back in our studio. We've had a winter storm to deal with that lasted what uh, like ten days and oh yeah, four inches of snow shuts down half the country. I know. Well, we had well, we had ice before that though. We had about a quarter inch of ice, and then before and then after that, we had uh, I don't know how much y'all had where you live, but we had Six we had yeah, we had that, and then a few days later, it snowed again, and we got a little bit more. So never had a chance to melt away for a long time, but uh, now we have spring-like weather, and then yesterday it turned cold again. So
1: yeah, that time of year for us. You never know what it's going to
0: do in March. I'm shorts in. and a park <laughs> on at the same time. <laughs> well, I tell you what, I am glad to be back in the in the saddle as it as it were. We have our coffee and creamer and our syrups, so we've got our, little, our mixed I make drinks that are non-alcoholic and they're all hot beverages. I've got the heater on, a little fake fireplace. We have our earphones and our microphones and uh, multiple translations of the Word of God, including an interlinear. and a, notes edition of the net and the carter study bible because we're going to utilize a lot of things today to talk about the book of acts as well as other passages we'll begin though i think i want to begin in colossians 2 i think i told you because i want to i want to do something here We're, we're going to summarize our views on on baptism in this way generally speaking here's what we we say baptism is important it's secondary to a degree and I thought about this the other day when I was listening to that episode. It is a secondary issue. It can be primary though, if you make it.
1: I started to say, if it becomes primary, then you've made it primary. Yeah, because... it can be
0: primary if you've made it such that you've par- you've parceled it out as this is inclusive of your salvation.
1: Yeah, with, with we're it...
0: going to discuss today why we we think you have to separate baptism from soteriology. They yeah. are not the same. The work of of Christ and salvation is not the same. Your salvific faith is not based on. Type of baptism, or when you were baptized, whether or not you are baptized. Because I had a I had a listener say to me, and and Tim, this is your fourth shout out on the show. Sorry, but you you're just pretty good at telling me what you think about stuff. Was the th- when I mentioned the dying thief on the cross last time? Was the dying thief on the cross still technically Old Testament? I said my view on that is no. I believe the Old Testament is closed out by John the Baptist's ministry. When John the Baptist is beheaded. Everything has already switched over to Christ teaching anyway. You're still talking about, they still, they're both, they both were talking about the kingdom, but, but John was the forerunner. And when Jesus said of John, of any, of any man born of, of woman, there's none greater than John the Baptist, he then turns around and says, but the least in the kingdom is greater than he. What does that mean? It means that the church is different. The kingdom is different. This second covenant is different than the first and it's the greater covenant, Right. You have the Greater Adam. He's the second Adam. Jesus is the second Adam. He's also called the Greater Adam. He's he's the he's the Greater Lamb. He's the perfect Lamb. We already had Passover Lamb slain right once a year, but this was the Greater Lamb. This was the Lamb of God. So fulfillment in the new covenant of the old covenant. He said, "I didn't come away to just come here to destroy the law, but to fulfill it."
1: And, and what I would add to that, if you take baptism in the biblical uh, definition, that it occurs after salvation, after faith and after after faith and repentance, then it is always going to be a secondary issue. Yes. But like you said, mankind has to make it a primary issue. That is not to negate its
0: importance. Yes, that's what I'm saying. The importance can it become is primary promise. if and when you conflated it with your actual condition of salvation. Sure. If you make a condition of salvation that you must have been sprinkled, dipped, or poured in water to to, to seal your salvation that that is actually the second act of salvation, or even the first act, as it were for Catholics, then no, now you've made it a primary issue and it shouldn't be, and technically you've erred, because you've actually now, and I'm going to use a colloquial term, you've screwed up the whole view of what salvation is. It's not our work. It's the work of Christ. Yeah, I started that
1: if if you start making that a primary issue, you, you have really distorted uh, Scripture. Sure. It, you, you know, you and really I want have... to
0: use Scripture to... Back up what I'm saying about how the Old Covenant and the New Testament, the New Covenant, are parallel but not the same. And how I feel like you can you can take the act of saying the dying thief on the cross, whether it were the Old Covenant or the New, was still saved. Still went to heaven that day because Jesus told him he would. He was not baptized and didn't need it. He also didn't need to be circumcised. Because here's what I'm going to use. I'm going to use chapter 2 of Colossians in which Paul is laying out this idea that it's not philosophy, it's not legalism. So it's not your works, it's not the covenant of circumcision that saves, it's rather the circumcision Christ that saves. Um, I'm going to start with verse 6 in chapter 2 of Colossians. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception. Make sure, in other words, you've got good, good sound doctrine, good teachers. According to the traditions of men. In other words, it's not your tradition, it's not your denomination. It is your faith in Christ. According to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form, and in him you have been made complete. And he is the head over all rule and authority. And by the way, this takes care of oneness in that verse as well. But it did say for in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. He is God. Not a son of God. He is God. God the Son. And in him you have been made complete. Your salvation is complete. All the work is done. And he is the head over all rule and authority. And in him you were also circumcised. Parallel to the Old Testament. With a circumcision made without hands. Not the cutting away of flesh, right? In the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism. So here's the parallel. In which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us. He has taken it out of the way, having nailed it, I love this, having nailed it to the cross. When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. So Paul himself makes this parallel about circumcision. And so whatever you can say of baptism, you should be able to say of circumcision. Whatever you can say of circumcision, you should be able to make the an analogy of baptism. So does baptism say? And the answer is no. no. And how do we know this? Did circumcision ever say? No. Not a single person. If circumcision, if infant circumcision on the eighth day took care of that, for that male. Then why was there apostasy? Why was there idolatry in the house of Israel? Why did God have to constantly call him to repent? Turn to him. Why did he constantly have to deal with the ones that would not? The ones that never were believed. Did they practice the rituals? Many of them did. They still went to the temple. They still went to the tabernacle. They still brought their sacrifice because it was the law. They were following the law of the land. But they were not following the law in their heart. So without repentance you're not saved. That was true of the Old Testament. It's true of the New Prophets also in other places was it was it Ezekiel or was it Jeremiah or Isaiah It's one of the three big ones makes more than one time makes makes a comment about the circumcision of your heart so there are prophets in the Old Testament that talk about the circumcision of the heart and I want to say it to Isaiah oh man I'm getting confused I really should have looked that up because I knew if I was going to bring that up I should have looked it up actually it could be Ezekiel it doesn't matter the point is I know it's there it, somebody will correct me they'll they'll send me a post and tell me I was wrong and it was in this book probably it was Obadiah or something I forgot but anyway. The point is, there were Old Testament prophets that made it. And in the New Testament, they reiterate right? Christ was not interested. In, it wasn't the circumcision of the flesh that saves. It's the circumcision of the heart. And for those of you who can't see, the, there's no video of this. I am taking my finger and taking a pen like a knife and cutting around the edge of my finger well, as if I'm circumcising my finger. Yeah, and that's right. It, it's We've
1: got to look at it in the symbolic sense. That it's huge. Yes. Um, and, and, you know, when it comes to reading Scripture, we are literal. You know, you and I yeah. believe in everything to be, you know, the plain things or the main things and that literal reading. But you've got to look at the context in which Paul is, is speaking here. And this is a symbolic, this is a symbolic circumcision, is what I'm trying to say. This is not a literal circumcision. It's circumcision. And it talks about the traditions of men before that. You know, this is the apostle Paul writing the church of Colossae and talking about the traditions of men. If you remember, Mark goes into uh, in depth on the traditions of men and, and the, the gospel of Mark and talks about all the things that the Pharisees were doing. I mean, if it, if it comes to washing, they had pages
0: and chapters on how to, how to wash the pots. Yes. They had ritualistic baptism for everything. All the utensils that were used. The, the whole idea of what we now today call it, the Jews today call kosher. Mm-hmm. This all comes from Pharisee. Well,
1: yeah, the, the, what is it, the Talmud, the, yeah. the, the, the Mishnah, you know, they basically took the 613 laws of Moses, because we got to look at who Jews look to. They don't look Christ. They really want, you know, the exemplar of their faith is Moses. Yeah. And so there's 613 laws. They couldn't understand the 613 laws. So then there had to be a commentary, if you will. And then, so then comes these Jewish writings to be able to basically explain the law. That's and, your mission. And your yeah, that, that's the mission of the Talmud, and, and that's what happens. And, you know, I think there is, I know it sounds like we're joking, but I, I believe there's three chapters on the washing of pots. Yeah. I mean, three, just how to wash a pot. Um, and, and this is what happens. Paul is...
0: Well, Paul points that out about yeah. being a Pharisee and of the tribe of Benjamin, that if there was anybody that was going to work his way to heaven, it was him. Yeah. He was doing everything he could in his young life. He was nowhere near. He thought he had a zeal for God, in his hatred for the Christian, not understanding he was persecuting God because that was God, God's people. Yeah, what does Christ say to him on the road to the Persecuting Why do you persecute me? Yeah, why do you persecute me? Yeah, well, the King James was wearing a like persecutest thou me. But anyway. <laughs> in
1: English. Um, so, I'm going to read it I'm go, go, read in the NIV. For it. Go for it. What, uh, let's see, what is that? What is that? You may read, uh, actually, in the Colossians that we're talking about, yeah. I do like uh, I had the NIV pulled up and I'll start in um, in verse 9 for in Christ all the fulfillments of the deity lives in bodily form and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him you are also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by whom? By Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism and in which you were raised with him through the faith and the working of God who raised him from the dead. I mean, that whole thing is, is pointing to Christ. So I want to read
0: from the MacArthur Study Bible. Um, on, on verses 11 and 12, MacArthur writes, Circumcised, Circumcision made without hands. See the note on Genesis 7, 11. And circumcision symbolized man's need for cleansing of the heart. compared Deuteronomy 10, 16 30, verse 6, Jeremiah 4, Verse 4, 9, 26, Acts, chapter 7, 51, and Romans 2, 29. It was the outward sign of that cleansing of sin that comes by faith in God. Romans 4, 11, Philippians 3, 3. At salvation, believers undergo a spiritual circumcision by putting off the sins of the flesh. Compared to Romans 6, 6, Corinthians 5, 17, Philippians 3, 3, and Titus 3, 5. This is the new birth, the new creation in conversion, so the circumcision of the heart, which by the way has been compared here with baptism, a burial with Christ, putting away the old man, bringing it coming up as the new man, is being put into Christ. It's not saying water takes away your sin. We why do we need to keep bringing this up? Because there's these troublesome texts, as I call them, problem passages. Michael Heiser called it his Naked Bible podcast that cause people to stumble a little bit because they'll say things like "for the washing away of your sins" and things like that. So we're going to get to that. And that, this is the preamble, believe it or not. We're not at the body of it yet. The outward affirmation of the already accomplished inner transformation is now the believer's baptism, in Acts two thirty-eight. So let's go back to Acts two thirty-eight. So, 238. so I, want to, I want to back up. I want to
1: finish Colossians here. So what is the central target that Paul's talking about? Paul's talking about Judaism. Yeah. That well, let's make that clear. He is talking about Judaism. So as I said earlier, to tie in earlier with the, the traditions of men, and now. He's writing to the church of Colossae, who has already been uh, symbolically circumcised because they're in
0: Christ, yeah. and now basically they're being told they've got to be the physical. And you don't need. And, and you, you don't them, need no. It. The Judaizers have come along and said, "Well, yeah, Jesus is the Messiah, but if you're going to be truly born again, you've got to be made outwardly, visibly new. So even though you're a grown man, you need to be circumcised." Yeah. So I'm
1: just trying to clarify that yeah. of who this target is. This yeah. is Paul writing it, but he's dealing with those that are trying to convert them to Judaism and trying to get them to have a literal circumcision instead of the symbolic that has already occurred. Yeah. And he, and he it's, it's, great, it's
0: great that you believe in Jesus, but you now you've got to be a Jew first before you can be a Christian. Yeah. I mean, Because Christ came to the Jews and Christ was a Jew. So now well, let's move back. I just want to clarify
1: that. Uh, so although
0: although in the previous episode we went through chapter 2 pretty well, I just want to get to the part about the Jews responding to Peter's message and saying, what do we do? So we'll start in verse 36. Therefore, this is Peter preaching, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him, Jesus, both Lord and Christ. So this is both kurios, Lord, Greek, mm-hmm. in, in the Hebrew would it be the Adonai, and Christ, and Christ, Christos, would be Mashiach, the Messiah, the anointed one. So the promised, the promised coming one. This Jesus, whom you crucified, to the Jews, right? Now, when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart. This means this Holy Spirit moved them. They were convicted of their sin. That's when the conversion begins, correct? Christ Mm -hmm. has done a work here already through the Holy Spirit. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brethren, what shall we do? How must I be saved? I think it was that the jailer, Philippi said. Yeah. Acts chapter 16. Peter said to them, repent. That comes first, correct? Am I reading this in order? I'm not changing the verse. Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Okay. Now he goes on to say, for the promise is for you, because he's saying this was the beginning of the church as calling to the Jews first and then going outward. Remember, we talked about that last time, that this was the gathering of the tribes, essentially. So now he has told them what to do. You need to repent and be baptized. Repent. This refers to the change of mind and purpose. This is John mccarthy That turns an individual from sin to God. You can see 1 Thessalonians 1, chapter 1, verse 9. Such change involves more than fearing the consequences of God's judgment. They were already doing that and they were pierced to the heart. Right? Genuine repentance knows the evil of sin must be forsaken and the person and work of Christ totally and singularly embraced. They now realize, they knew, they'd messed up. The Jews had killed the Messiah. Now what do we do about it? So how do we get forgiveness, right? Consequently, today's modern world, you get forgiveness by acts of outer penance. right? Works, you know, works is, I mean, I'm talking about a parallel society today in which, based on the fact that you may be born a certain skin color or whatever, you need to do works to show repentance. That's the only way you can ever heal. But the problem is there's no healing there, right? This modern uh, social gospel that they've tried to integrate into the real gospel is anathema to the real gospel because the real gospel is that it's all of Christ. It's all about repentance, humility, and coming to Christ on your knees and saying, "Lord, what what did the guy say it in the, in the synagogue? Have mercy on me, a sinner." And he both beat his chest and he wouldn't even look up. But the Pharisees stand up on the on the day saying, "Thank you, God, that I'm not like this man, a publican and a sinner."
1: Well, and also we got to cover it's more than. A remorseful action. Yes. I mean, you you are remorseful, but there is a But change. it's more than that. There and is turning a turning away. Yeah, there is a complete change of direction of one's life. And the way I've always said it, and the way I've always taught it, is it is though God reaches into your chest, rips out your stony heart, and gives you a heart of flesh, and now your life direction or your bent, if you will, is toward the things of God. It, it's not. I feel guilty for doing that, or I even though you do feel guilty, but it's more than that. Your life should show that, that there's, there's been a been desire. Channel. Yes. You
0: want to please the God that, that died for you. And we all sin. Every one of us sin.
1: Every one of us have fallen short. We're not going to be able to live at the standard, but we know when we sin, we sin against a holy and a righteous God. And so the, 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 the fact that a lot of these people preach and teach that, you know, you just, you, you just have to feel bad for your actions in a way. I, I mean, I'm loosely paraphrasing, but it's more than that. It's a life change. It, it's not a, now I just have said something, raised a hand, and I feel bad because it's not. It's a life altering. Well,
0: the law of the Old Testament, and Paul points that out. The law of the Old Testament, I believe it's in Romans. The whole point he's making is that the law always was able to reveal to man his need for, for salvation. The law points you to something. The law doesn't say. No, knowing you're a sinner is not enough. No, no. You need to know first off. It's a step. Who can save you, and that it will happen? That that's the faith. That's only going to come when God lifts the blinders from your eyes. And, and like he, like he, you know, like he had to do the Paul on the Damascus Road. That's how Paul was converted. He had to say. Now we all don't have that. Kind of, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now we all don't have. We Damascus don't have the Damascus Road, road conversion. I know that. But, I know that.
1: But it's the same thing until God. Decides to change the disposition
0: of your heart. But it is still that revealing. Because it is. It may not be that you see the risen Lord and it blinds you. But it won't well, be Well, I'm talking about the more the but, the, the traumatic. Yeah, okay. yeah. It won't be that, maybe. But but what will happen is you will you will see Jesus lifted up on the cross and know. And, and you'll see. And I believe that. And, and
1: you'll see your sin in juxtaposition to his holiness and his righteousness.
0: And then you'll see what you said in Colossians chapter 2. You'll see that your sin was nailed to the cross. Oh, yeah. And that ought to bring a tear here. It usually does.
1: You think about it. I even about even right now, the sins some 2,000 years later that we commit against God were nailed to
0: the cross yeah. 2,000 years. Weren't we talking about this very thing the other day? We yeah, I think you and I talked about that. And I said that reminds me of a psalm my son always liked. Um, so I'll finish this little comment from MacArthur. He says, Peter exhorts his hearers to repent. Otherwise, they will not experience true conversion. You can't truly be saved until you have known that you're a sinner. recognized the need for salvation and cried out to God for salvation. Moving away from sin, you know, I, I once heard it pointed that way, that you're going and you're pointed in one direction. Your direction is hell. It's death, physical death and then hell. You're pointed in that direction and God is revealed to you and you turn and say, yes, Lord, and I'll go in this direction toward you now. Not that you're going to do anything to save you, but you're going to turn from your sin and turn away from that and turn to Christ to be, to be truly repentant. You will not stop sinning. We've already made that clear, folks. You will sin again, but you will have the means for the forgiveness of it. So then he says, be baptized, right? Now, that Greek word, "baptizo," so to be immersed. It's in water. Here we have Peter following God's command. This is the first time I believe we've seen it in the Bible where now the church is is acting upon the Great Commission. Peter's preaching this message and he's telling them, you will be baptized in the name of Jesus, right? So why in the name of Jesus? Because of the power of that, right? You are now identifying with Christ. The outward public profession of your faith is symbolized in that baptism, that water baptism. You are buried in the same way he was buried in the earth, his physical death. You're buried to your old man, to to the physical sin Death, and then you're raised in newness of life. A lot of times, pastors will actually say that when they baptize people, you're raised in them new- to walk in the newness of life. Uh, and it is; it's symbolic. But is that what it means here when it says, "For the forgiveness of your sins, that you must be baptized to be forgiven"? And the answer is, he's just drank some hot coffee.
1: Yeah, and he can't answer. <laughs>
0: wow. Burned his wow. tongue. Wow, that was
1: that was a lot more odd than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, his but tongue. no, the answer is not that you're not baptized for the forgiveness of your sins because these they're link, they're not linking that in the old church in the old testament church the historical church the church fathers whatever you want to say uh the apostolic church is what i'm trying to say when you get back to the new testament church they linked the two together so when you confess the lord they linked it with baptism they didn't say that baptism was a a joint effort with it for salvation it just linked together. Uh, look at the E.V. Well, How quick was he baptized um, after conversion? You know, he wanted to be baptized right then. Go ahead. Straight away. <laughs> Actually, yeah, straight away. Yeah. Wouldn't it? Straight away. No, it was just straight away. Straight so, away. but you look, you know, the, the, the Old Testament or the New Testament church linked just. With confession yeah, the confession. I do think
0: correcting something, you did say Old Testament church. I did say Old
1: Testament. I said it again. Yeah. The uh, New Testament church uh,
0: links the two hand in hand. Yeah. But it's not to say that, that baptism is part of it. There's actually no cooperation between the two. No. Now, there is a baptism in view there. And we talked about it last time. The spirit baptism. The spirit baptism. Yeah. You are into Christ. You are put into Christ. You're immersed in Christ. He's put His spirit is put in you, and you're put into Him. And you're made a part of the body. Now, the outward initiation right of that is 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 the water baptism. And the public profession of your faith is your is your is your testimony followed by baptism. But that's not what saves you. You've already been saved. The work's been done. That's why the order is always there. Repent and be baptized. Now, of course, we, we did a little discussion of this before we recorded about I wanted to bring that up. About the word ice. It's in the Greek. Yeah. That is the preposition for, because there's multiple ways to translate. And there are several theories on on how to do that in the context of that verse. Now on on Michael Heiser's Naked Bible podcast, if you want if folks, if you want to listen to this, listen to verse, listen to episodes eight through ten of the Naked Bible podcast. Pull that up, look up Naked Bible, um, and listen listen to episodes eight through ten. They're all short. I think they're all less than fifteen minutes long. Those three episodes. So you'd be putting in less than forty five minutes for your total amount of time to listen to these passages and one of the passages he deals with is acts 238 and he talked about this idea that ice uh, as a preposition that very same preposition is used elsewhere in context with hearing the word of jonah and being and being and repenting for, for salvation because it says because of jonah's preaching the word because of is ice because of in the english translation is the, is the greek word ice so that preposition that that introduction there can mean multiple things and he quotes uh daniel wallace's book um oh, that takes us back to our last guest patrick tom he was once a student of dan wallace dan wallace's book beyond the basics for greek grammar yeah. Syntax," he talks about that passage quite a bit and how the, the prepositional phrases can be really important in greek but how it works is the voice uh, the participles and the voice of the verbs. You have the middle voice. You have the uh, you have the aorist tense. You have all those different things. English doesn't work the way Greek works. People. The inflection is it's important. It's so hard to translate.
1: The inflection is important, and you have to look. And I think people fail to to remember this. When we're reading our uh, Bible today, we're reading a translation of the Greek of the Greek and the Hebrew. And and we're reading what scholars have devoted a lot of times lifetimes to to be able to translate this. But we must remember there is a semantic domain of words, so we cannot hammer a word and 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 just pin it down to one meaning. There's something like one dozen
0: uses of ice alone.
1: Uh, ice. I thought I saw there were seventeen hundred uses of ice. Well, no, I meant. Oh, types. you're talking about type. Yeah, yeah. I think I thought that was right. I think there's seventeen like hundred uses of. Ice. I think it was seventeen hundred thirty-seven uses of ice in the New Testament, and I believe there was. Well, it's one of those common words. It's a common word. It's just like, like altos, you know, for or you know, yar, or, which is is what those. But in, in use,
0: yeah, so it's one of those really uh, words that is very common. It's just. It's actually one thousand seven hundred sixty-seven times it says it right here in. the menu. Oh, does okay, yeah, it? Okay, I know it's close. And and so you've got to look at that sem- semantic domain to be able to to figure out
1: what it is. Don't pin it down that it's dogmatic that it's this, because context, this is key, context determines its meaning, and we always say this, and we've listened to people, and we've heard people, and then they went to the races on something, on the verse, and you and I always have this context, context, context. That sounds good, what you just said, and it may be true, but it's out of context for that verse. That verse is setting within the context of a couple things. It's setting within the context of that Paragraph. First of all, it's setting within the context of that sentence, then within that paragraph, then within that chapter, then within that book, and then
0: within the author. How and, does an author something. usually use this word?
1: And then you know, so you can buy books. For example, for the Pauline letters, you can buy the dictionary Paul, the uh, dictionary of uh, Paul's letters. So you can see how Paul uses certain words. Even as simple as that, you can get one of the Logos uh, Bible software. You can get the free version. I believe it has word study on it. You can pull a word search, and you can see how Paul uses it. You can see how the New Testament uses it. You can see how it's used in the Septuagint uh, as far as. So how is that word used? What is the semantic domain of that word? And then how does it fall into the context of what's going on?
0: Here's some of those uses. Go ahead. It can be to. It can be to the extent of. It can be for, which is how you see it translated. It can be before with a view toward for the use or service of or, and these are two that I think are close to what I think it's actually meaning to with reference to or in accordance with. Now, in with reference to your salvation or in accordance with salvation makes a lot more sense. In English that would probably be translated because of. Yeah. Often it's because of. But it can even be the word resulting in, result in. But I don't think that's what is, is there. And and when they say for, for the washing away of your sins, again it doesn't necessarily mean the straightforward English use of the word "for." And the, at least, you know why they generally go with that. And, and in, in general, um, they'll even say this: it's because it reads smoother. Well, how many versions? In the context did... of that sentence, uh, because, for instance, Heiser broke it down the way you could say based on the tenses of the verbs. It would be something like when when Ananias is in Acts when Ananias is telling Paul to to rise up and be baptized. You know, make your confession, be baptized for the washing away of your sins. That in in, in actual context, there, it's Paul having, it, it's basically not, but it doesn't actually use the word Paul, but it would be you, Paul implied, having risen. You've, already, in other words, Paul had already stood up before Ananias for whatever reason. Having risen, you profess Christ and having, having professed Christ. Wash away your sins in water through baptism. In other words, you've already believed and you've already stood up and said, "I believe and I, I accept and I profess Christ." Now be baptized.
1: Yeah, it, 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 the two to show, the hand to show your washing. And I think that's the key. What you
0: said to symbolically show. And that's in the same book with the same writer, Luke, mm-hmm. and that's how it's it's implied there all throughout Acts, you could go one chapter over uh, in chapter three, beginning in verse 18, and you'll just see them saying, Peter just saying, repent. Never talks about baptism afterwards. So mo- in fact, most of the time throughout the book of Acts, baptism, and then it's not even, is, is not when it is found, it's generally found with repentance, but repentance is often mentioned for salvation, and baptism is never brought in afterwards.
1: Now, when we so see there,
0: there's a point I'm making is, it's not saying that you need the water baptism to be saved. You are baptized in the spirit when you're saved and and that repentance has to come. So the repentance is the primary. It's always repent first.
1: No, when you see the apostolic preacher, the apostolic guys and uh, you know the apostles when they're doing it, it's always repent, 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 repent. It's that's it's always repent of your sins, change, you know there's a repentance, a godly Repentance, not a worldly repentance. There is a difference. Honestly, we could do a whole episode on the difference between worldly and godly repentance. Ironically, we're probably going to discuss here shortly on that, uh, dealing with a um, subject matter of the news. We'll deal with godly versus worldly.
0: Well, you know how you have to. We we've made this this sort of uh, parallel about circumcision and baptism there in Colossians. So in the Old Testament, did you have saved Gentiles who were not? circumcised yes so by analogy could you have people who profess christ not get baptized then die and go to heaven yeah yeah it's not the baptism that is saving that's our whole point of this episode the bad the water doesn't save. so why is that important because in a, a lot of reform circles where they kept infant baptism you're going to hear the argument that well yeah but it's doing what what circumcision did, which was they put them in the community of faith. The male was circumcised at eight, showing that he was a Jew. He was part of the code. We are putting them in there and hoping, just as the Jews hoped, that this young man, this young child will grow up to be godly. They're doing the same thing they say with the infant. They're not saying it saves them, as Orthodox and Roman Catholics do. And I say Orthodox because Orthodox are Catholic. They're Orthodox Catholic, Eastern Catholic then you have Western or Roman Catholic. They believe it is actually part and parcel to salvation. It's the first thing they do. That's why they do it as an infant. They christen them as this thing. That means putting them in Christ. See, they see it as both symbolic and literal by sprinkling the water on the forehead, pouring the water. Sometimes they do the pour with the labor. By doing that, and there are some sects of Eastern Orthodox that actually immerse the baby. By doing this, they've now sealed that child. And they believe that it, unless it apostatizes at some point as an adult, if they die as a child or an infant or a young person, having not gone away from the faith, they are sealed. That's an act of grace. So salvation is is from the, from the water, and it's not.
1: Well, and, and keep in mind, I, I want to add this to that. You were talking about the ones that symbolic of, basically, we're going to raise this child to be godly. All the people that jump on the bad way and say, that's terrible. We do the same thing in circles that don't baptize. We have a baby dedication, which I have no problem with. I think it's good. We've we dedicated both parts, not via water. we yeah. Basically, it's a statement saying that we are going to uh, raise our child in faith and be the parents we're supposed to be. So don't run so quick to judge them in infant baptism if it's symbolic, even though I don't agree with it. No, I do not agree with it. I'm not sitting here, but I have a bigger problem with what you're saying. in uh, the ones that do say this seals them in a salvific manner until they can make the decision yeah. themselves. That's that's incorrect.
0: Yeah. That is an well, see, type. That's then later called the confirmation of your faith, right? Yes. And the, the Catholics practice confirmation usually around the same time that Jews would practice bar mitzvah. So right around the middle school, around twelve, yeah, around twelve, 12, 12 years old. So for Jews, it's thirteen, and so somewhere in that time, you have your confirmation, um, where you confirm your faith and you take the Eucharist and all that, and that's their way of saying, "Well, now I am fully." I believe, right, and you'll take school. You'll Once take again, a Catholic school and all that sort of thing. It's all of you. Yeah.
1: Nothing of God. Yeah. Nothing of Christ. Christ did no drawing. We he have did no
0: turning. to separate the water baptism from the Spirit, which, as we stated in our last episode, we believe that that there is a spiritual baptism that occurs at the moment of salvation, of salvation. and I actually believe that is what Peter is talking about in two thirty-eight. Because he says, he says, repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Or because of. Now, in MacArthur's study Bible, he puts uh, for the forgiveness of sin. He actually states, it says, I'm going to quote it, This might be better translated because of the forgiveness of sins. Baptism does not produce forgiveness and cleansing from sin. See notes on 1 Peter 3, 20 and 21. The reality of forgiveness precedes the rite of baptism. As in verse 41, genuine repentance brings from God the forgiveness of sins. See Ephesians 1-7. And because of that, the new believer was to be baptized. Baptism, however, was, was to be the ever-present act of obedience. The idea of aligning yourself, well, you are now an ally of Christ. So that it became synonymous with salvation. And as you said earlier, in the early church, it was synonymous with salvation because they didn't do one without the other. No, it was. It, it, and by the way, they didn't do it the way we generally do it as Baptists where, okay, someone professes Christ and they wait a month to do a, a baptism.
1: Well, that, we honestly, sometimes churches just wait out of convenience. We're going to wait till we get four or five people. You know, yeah. uh, and, 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 and it do wasn't done sermon. that way in no, the early church. No. It was we're never gonna, done
0: that way. We're going to do it on Sunday night and give everybody a chance to get their family members to go to some other church to come here on the Sunday evening service because we don't want them to not be in their own church on the Sunday morning service. And so we're going to do it after the service and all that stuff. And I actually think it should come at the beginning of the service. I think it's part of it's just part of the ordinances of the church. Well, and when someone gets saved, let's baptize them at the very right next available moment.
1: Well, let's give a a hats off to where we attend now. Uh, baptism, I have enjoy it there as much as I have anywhere I've ever been. Uh, my baptism was much the same as what's going on. We uh, give a testimony. Uh, we're baptized right at the beginning of the service. I did as well.
0: If, I, I, right, I was baptized that way. And yep. I, I had to give my testimony. It's baptized at the beginning While of the service. While standing
1: in water. We, there is a, where we attend now, there is a microphone in front of the baptistry. They give their testimony. They are then baptized. They then go back down and, and the praise the, the team plays a couple more songs to come out. And then we go into our, our service.
0: And it's not a one to two minute deal. No. It? This is a lengthy, the person stands there and gives their life story. Essentially, This is how I came to Christ. Because let's face it, like you said, we're not all going to have that Damascus Road experience. It's different. And, and
1: we've heard people, uh, we, we've had several baptisms since we've been there in, in, in a year. I mean, going on a year be a year in July. July. And uh, we've had several baptisms since we've been there. I and mean, praise God for it because we're in this midst of a pandemic. And
0: It was the same month people. we recorded our pilot episode. We didn't, we didn't, yeah, it was. Release, we didn't release it in July. Yeah, it we was. recorded it
1: in and, July. Uh, and, and so we have got to witness these people give their testimony of how they come to salvation, how Christ. They had an encounter with the gospel, they saw their sin in light of a holy God, they know that there was a, a, a debt to be paid, and that debt was eternity. And um they come to salvation and they give this testimony. Uh and some of these people have given 20, 20, 25 minute testimony. And and when you're listening to them, you're not bored, you're not no. th- you're not never has a thought crossed my mind, oh, I wish there was just on with this no it's, no, it's like wow, it reminds remind, you.
0: Yeah, it makes
1: you relive that. That that in your own life,
0: I've heard guys like James White talk about how important baptism is in the sense of as a part of the church service, in that when this person has now come to Christ, let them speak, let them give their their witness. And I've heard Todd Frill say it on on Wretched, and that how, how good that is because Todd always says it reminds me of my own, and, yeah, and, and it brings tears to my eyes when I when I hear it. Well, I'm excited for those people when I see them getting ready to be dumped under knowing that they're happy to be there. They're not doing it as a ritual. They're there because they're happy to be baptized. I, I, they I, want to show allegiance to Christ. They,
1: they want to show allegiance and, to and Christ. Let's,
0: let's talk about one last thing historically about those baptisms, those early baptisms. When you did that, you could possibly be sealing your doom. Oh. To that, be publicly baptized meant you were in Christ, right? You were in the church. And that meant persecution first from the Jews and then it spread through the Roman Empire. You could basically be put to death. That.
1: Philippian jailer. Everybody always says he, he asks, What you know, well, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they simply tell him, believe. And then he is baptized. You gotta realize when he had allegiance with Christ, and he has allegiance with those in jail, there is a mark placed upon him. I mean, he if he was a jailer, he would have had a status in the community, but now he has identified with the one um, that they are persecuting. And this led to persecution for him. Now, we don't know anything about the man's life once we hear, you know, that, that, that account. Right. But we know that those people in the early church, if they had those allegiance, the life was not easy. No. And so this jailer would have had a life that would have been more, far more difficult prior or than it was prior to his conversion. And he was willing still to be baptized. To publicly identify with Christ, not he was already saved before that, but this would have led to undoubtedly persecution and a more difficult life. That's something, you know, I think half the people today in the American church are just saying the new church today that if they were faced with the same difficulties of what they would lose coming to Christ, I don't see, I don't think you would hear the numbers that you hear now. Uh, frankly, I think those numbers are going to start dropping before long as the persecution intensifies. As sure. we Keep moving forward. Sure. Um, this brave new world that we're in today. Yeah, with CRT running yeah. rampant and and uh, with all this going on, as uh, for some reason, over the by God's grace, over the last you know hundred two hundred years, we have been able to uh, freely profess our faith without ridicule. Now that has changed drastically and. Rapid pace. Oh yes, even within the last ten
0: years. Oh yeah, well, I mean, even within the last,
1: I'm been twelve months. I'm being generous in ten years. Mm-hmm. There, I know people always say, "I'll never go underground." You will, and that does not mean that you're not a Christian if you go underground. It, it still means there's work to do, there's gospel uh, to be preached, there's things to be taught, there's people to spread. You have to go underground because you still have to be.
0: Uh, the examples of of, of being the cross. and the church will still baptize, yes. mm-hmm. and the church will still perform the ordinance of the Lord's Supper. The church will still sing hymns, still pray, and read the Scripture, and the Word will still be proclaimed. Because mm-hmm. always going to
1: be, you know, until the end. Well, and remember what Jesus said. This is what he. This is exactly what he meant when he said, "The gates of hell will not prevail. I will build my rock upon that confession, not mm-hmm. Peter. Right. Upon yeah. the confession mm-hmm. in which Peter made, I will build the church." Not Peter, not, not anybody, Pope Peter the Great. Not Pope Peter the Great. I, Christ, will build the church upon the confession that you made, and the gates of hell will Nothing, nothing is going to prevail against the Christ. Christ building His church. There is not one thing that will prevail over that. Amen. That and works. it's going to be built according to how He sees it fit to be built. Sure. That's how it's going to be built. Not how man sees it to be done. Not how a program sees it to be done. Exactly how Christ. Sees fit and God sees fit.
0: Well, can I say one last thing Absolutely. before we go? Congratulations, Shaylin. We actually finished a doctrinal teaching. <laughs> we did. Baptism in three parts. We did it in three <laughs> parts. We
1: finished all episodes. And we and did them
0: relatively close together.
1: And we still forgot what we always forget. Anytime you've got any comments, questions, uh, remarks, uh, please email us at our website. It's comments at dumspeak.com. Comments at dumspeak.com. Uh, please email us for questions, remarks, anything you'd like to discuss, talk about. Uh, we welcome it all. And thank you uh, to those who have subscribed to listen to our our, our podcast. Uh, please extend grace as we continue growing and moving forward with this. And, and we cannot thank you enough for your generosity as far as listening to us go.
0: And I won't say what it is, but you told me the latest uh, statistics and you're growing.
1: Yeah, I'll say what it we, we average around 600 listeners, and for that, we are uh, absolutely tickled to death. I, mean, I
0: can't believe 600 people are going uh, to listen us. It's
1: 600 uh, people, I guess, with nothing better to do. <laughs> so, right. But uh, thank you, seriously. We do it. Till next time. God bless.